Welcome to the Remarkability Institute podcast, turning the art of communication into the science of remarkable results. BART is committed to giving one million people their voice. BART is committed to giving you your voice. It's time for you to stand up, step out, and speak up. With more than 30 years experience helping people develop their communication skills, build their confidence, and find their voice, here's your host, Bart Queen. Welcome to the Remarkability Institute. This is Bart Queen. Today, our whole focus is around content. It is probably the number one question that executives, salespeople, engineers, and technical folks ask me. How do I craft my content? Guys, nine times out of 10, they come to me with a deck of slides and saying, here's what I've come up with. And I have to tell them, you're doing everything in the wrong order. The number one purpose of any type of visual, whether you're using a whiteboard, a chalkboard, or a flip chart, is to enhance your content. But most people, when they get directed to create some type of a message, go right to their laptop and they start cranking out PowerPoint slides. One of my favorite executives once said that if you use PowerPoint, you have no power and you have no point. I don't have anything against PowerPoint. I think it's a tremendous tool. But where I have concerns is the way we use PowerPoint. So with with, with that thought in mind, let me just back up a little and, and let's talk about structure. On Sunday, I had an opportunity to relax for a little bit, and I caught a National Geographic special. In the special, they were talking about some of the greater things that have been built in America. The two things they highlighted was the Golden Gate Bridge and the Hoover Dam. And they were talking about the importance of the structure and how important that design was in order to make the bridge viable for the long time and the dam viable for a long time. And as I was just relaxing and enjoying the special, the ideas of that structure came to my mind when it comes to our content. So let me use the Golden Gate Bridge specifically as an example. That bridge from point A to point B is 1.7 miles. Now, this is a suspension bridge, but the beams that go across, one on the left and one on the right, that they built the rest of the structure upon, is what carries the cars from point A to point B. Now, those beams are suspended. But what I want you to realize is because they had those two beams, one on the left and the one on the right, that allowed them to do whatever they wanted to do on the bridge to build the bridge. So you and I, when we're on vacation or going to work or whatever it may happen to be, can go across it. And then on top of it, they put the guide rails. Now, there are sidewalks on either side. And then there are small fences to keep people from falling off those fences. And then sometimes they put in a a guide rail in the middle. But here's what I want you to realize as it relates to the way you structure your content. 
The two major beams that take you from point A to point B give you the most effective way to take your customer, your client, or your listener from where they're currently at, or what sometimes I call their current state, to point B, or that vision state, where you're trying to take them. That adds as an efficient manner for the listener to go through your content. The guide rails, once they're put on track or on top, in my mind, are the things that keep you on track. I want you to realize that there are three things you have to control anytime you're sharing a message. Number one, you have to be able to control yourself. Number two, you have to be able to control your content or your conversation. And number three, you've got to be able to control the situation you're in or the circumstance in which you're communicating. The guide rails allow you to take your listener from point A to point B. The safety rails allow you to stay on track. So here's the principle I want you to mark down. Here's a principle I don't want you to ever forget. There is freedom and structure. There's freedom and structure. There's freedom and structure. Now, I never want you to memorize what you put in the structure. What I want you to memorize is the structure itself. As I walk you through this today, when you get done at the very end, I want you to have a structure that you can speak through. We've all been caught in a situation where someone say, you know, Bart, I didn't plan for it and I didn't ask you to, but would you mind getting up and really sharing about what your team's been doing, what your division's been doing? And you look at that person and say, I'm I'm not really prepared to do that. If you have a structure in your head, all you have to do is plug and play. You look like a rock star, not because you took a ton of time to plan, but because you had a structure to work through. In my mind, Structure in your content is one of the foundation cornerstones that allow you to be successful. And out of our time today, I want you to walk away with some of the principles that will allow you to build that structure. Now, if you'll learn those principles, if you'll learn the structure, here's what I think you're going to have. You're going to have freedom in the way you craft your content in your word choice. You're going to have freedom in the way you work the conversation. And you're going to have freedom in the circumstance that you're in to flex and adapt. And that's all you need to do is to have this conversation. So please remember, it's a conversation. It's not a presentation. It's a conversation whether you're giving a keynote speech, you're doing a TED Talk. Guys, it's a conversation whether it's five minutes or 50 minutes giving you the confidence to speak no matter what the time frame is, is what I'm committed to do to give you those principles. So let's take a look at one of the first principles I want to share with you. It's what I call the 75% rule. If I asked you to come into my organization and speak for 60 minutes, nine times out of 10, you're going to work through enough content to Fill that 60 minutes. I don't think that's the best approach. I want you to take an approach of what we call the 75% rule. So if I ask you to come in and speak for 60 minutes, if you apply the 75% rule, 
most of you are going to go, okay, Bart, I'm going to craft content for 45 minutes. Pretty obvious. But there's one slight change I want you to make. Out of that 60 minutes, before you apply the 75% rule, I want you to back out what you would probably call Q&A time. I'm going to call it banter time, conversation time. So let's say, for example, that I decided to do a 15-minute kind of banter Q&A time. I'm going to take my 60 minutes. I'm going to back out my 15 minutes. That leaves me with 45. Now, guys, I want you to take the 75% rule. If you do that, you're resting a little bit more than 30 minutes or so. That's the amount of time I want you to think about filling. Your audience will much prefer that you end early than go longer. They will appreciate you giving them time back. Now, remember one of the other podcasts I've shared with you that the driving force is getting them to say, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. So if you end five minutes early and they say, wow, Bart, this was really great. Can you stay a little bit longer? Can you answer some more questions? Feel free to stay because now, guys, I'm guaranteeing you that they are engaged in your content and you are winning. Now they want you to stay. You always want to finish up in respect a few minutes early. Now, if you're doing a keynote-type speech or a TED-type talk where you have to meet 18 minutes and a TED-type talk or in a typical keynote, that 60-minute, I would get you to end 55 to 57 minutes every single time. The way that I would do that, I would get you to write it out word for word. Now, in this example, this is the only time I'd ever get you to write it out word for word because I need to time the rate that you speak. When I understand the rate that you speak, whether that's very deliberate, more on the slower side, or you're one of those enthusiastic speakers that speak on a faster rate, that is going to dictate to me the amount of content you can fit within that 55 to 57 minutes. This 75% rule is one of your checkpoints that will keep you from show up and throw up. This will keep you from fire hosing someone. Your goal is not to tell them more. Your goal is to get them to remember more. And this is one of those checkpoints that will help you. This has saved me many, many times. And guys, in those situations when someone has said, Bart, I want you to tell them everything. I want you to tell them everything. And I have given in to that pressure. Every single time I've walked out, I've regretted it. Because you get tight on time, you end up talking fast at the end, and then all you do is compromise your content. I never want you to compromise yourself, and I never want you to compromise what you bring to the table. What you bring to the table is too valuable to compromise. It's also one of those things that happens when you walk in and the guy says, I know we gave you 45 minutes, but you're down to 20. And the average person ends up speaking fast. I don't want you to do that. So let's say you walked in with 10 items to share with them, and the man said you're half the time then I would say, out of the 10 things I was going to bring to the table, which five are the most important? Now look what you're saying about your content. You're saying, my content is so valuable, I will not compromise it. Which of the five are most important? 
Now, if you and I have done our job right, they're going to say, that was great. We want the additional five. When can you come back? Notice again, when that happens, you're winning. This 75% rule is a tremendous principle that you want to make sure you implement into your webcast, to your virtual meetings, to your TED-type talks, to your presentations, or your sales call. The theme in all of this, around this content, is this idea of do the hard work, keep it simple. Do the hard work, keep it simple. And in order to keep it simple, you have to do the hard work. Harder on our end, better on your listener's end. So let's go to that second principle. When you think about the process of crafting content, the second thing I want you to think about is the five steps in creating that content. Step number one, I want you to set your goals. Now, when I work with folks, most of the time they take a very tactical approach. I want you to be more strategic in your approach. If you look up the root word of strategy, the root word is stregos. It's a Greek root word, not a Latin root word. And if you look up the meaning of that, it talks about the art of generals. Now, for those of you who have read The Art of War, you know it's not the number of tanks you've got, the number of hand grenades you've got, the number of men you've got. It's how do I outthink the competition? And that's the approach I want you to take as you think about crafting your content. Take a more strategic approach. Now, when you set your goals, when I'm working with salespeople, the average salesperson will put on their goals to get them to buy the product. That's not a strategic goal. That's a closing action step in any sales call. I want you to push harder. The strategic goals in that sales call situation is more gain a customer, have someone become a reference, become a vendor of choice. Those are more visionary strategic goals that I want you to strive for. Developing those can be difficult. So once you've come up with something that you say, these are my three goals, then I want you to ask yourself, so what? Push it one more time. And when you've done that, say, so what? And push it one more time. If you will push it two more times, you'll get closer to those visionary type goals that will take you further. So think about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King's goal wasn't to get people to a speech. His goal was, until the laws of man are equivalent to the laws of God, there will always be injustice. He was striving for this idea that all men are created equal. His talks, his rallies, and everything he did drove to that visionary goal. And if you'll notice, people followed that visionary goal. That is a great example of why 250,000 people showed up in Washington, D.C. in August on a blazing hot day. It was because they believed what he believed. They believed in the goals that he was talking about, that all men are created equal. And he led toward that. Setting your goals is a crucial step. The second thing is understanding who your listeners are. Now, everybody will always tell you, know your listener, know your listener, know your listener. But nobody will take the time to do the hard work. Now, here are just a couple of questions before you craft content that I want you to have at your fingertips. Number one, 
What's the knowledge level of your listener on your topic? On your topic. Number two, what are the top three things they want to know? Number three, what are the three major pains that they have that you're trying to help them with? So I want you to remember something. If you craft content, no pain, no value, no value, no business. Don't walk in and just share a bunch of information if you cannot map it to a challenge, an issue, a pain, or a concern. No pain, no value. No value, no business. So you've set your goals. You understand your listener. The next step is your open and your close. These are absolutely critical to your success. Now, I want you to notice that we haven't started crafting content yet. I haven't even got you there. And here's my reason why. When you pinpoint your open and you pinpoint your close, specifically the action step in the open and the action step in the close, that becomes your GPS reference points. When you get in the car with your family to go somewhere you've never been, you plug in the, the address of the restaurant, the park, wherever you're going to go, your destination. Your GPS unit, whether it's on your phone or in your car, automatically picks up your starting point. So now if you think about it, guys, you've got a starting point and an ending point. Your GPS unit gives you the fastest way to get from point A to point B. No different than the guardrails that I was talking about in your foundation. It takes your listener from point A to point B. That opening action step and that closing action step give you the fastest way to get there. Now, what you'll find if you do this, you'll realize it begins to slam down your content. It begins to focus your content instead of this vast message that you feel like you had to share. Now you're getting it down to a focused message, but you've got to do your opening and your closing action steps first. Once you've pinpointed that, that should give you great references points to decide what your key idea is that you want to share. That's step number four. Now you finally are at a place of creating visuals. The number one purpose of your visual is to enhance your content. But I want you to craft visuals based on your content. I want your visuals to reflect your content. Your slides are not your notes. They're not your notes. And that's what most people end up using PowerPoint for, are their notes. They are purely to enhance your content for your listener. So let me kind of go back through those five steps in the process. Number one, set your goals. Number two, understand your listener. Number three, you're open and you're closed. Your GPS unit to take your listener from point A to point B. Developing your key ideas and then creating your visuals. As a company spokesperson, you may be asked to speak with industry press and media about your company's products and services. Your goal is to build trust, build relationship, and build engagement. The challenge is to have a winning conversation while using your best practices and approaches to communications. The opportunity you have is to build credibility and the opportunity for an ongoing conversation in the future. To build your confidence and credibility during your next press and media interview, reach out on our website at bartqueen.com and learn more about the press and media interview skill training that we offer. 
So now let's dive into a little bit more detail on a couple of those points as far as your structure is concerned. I want to bring in what I call the simplicity factor. This is where I want you to break out of that idea that you're presenting. Everything we do is a conversation just with people. You're not talking at people, you're talking with people. Anytime you're communicating, get to the point. This is not a time to be verbose. This is a time to be very concise in what you're saying. Whatever you decide the main message is, I want you to say it over and over again. It's what I call that seven-factor phrase. Now remember, in order for the listener to remember something, you have to say it seven times. So if we've done our homework properly, you're at one message that you're going to drive through your talk up to seven times. I realize you may not be able to say it seven times in 10 minutes. Maybe you say it three times, but three times is better than one time. Five times is better than three times. You want someone walking out of your message, going down the hallway, seeing a colleague and saying, I was just with Bart and here's the number one message he said. If you can get them to repeat that, you win every single time. And the last point I want to make around the simplicity factor, it's got to be clear. That means it's got to be simple. So remember, a confused mind will always say no. A confused mind will always say no. I want to add one more thought here. If by chance, if by chance you're doing something virtually, I want you to remember this principle. If you're doing something on Zoom, you're doing something on WebEx, you're doing something on Microsoft Teams, if your audience is large, let's say you got 50 people or more on this session, the complexity of your content has to be low. The simplicity of your content has to be high. But if you're doing some type of a virtual session where you've got five people on your call, the complexity of your content can be higher. Why? Because you can do more banter. If you've got 50 people on your call, you're most likely not going to have an opportunity to spend a lot of time having a conversation answering questions. It's going to be more of a one-way communication. So if you're doing something virtually, please remember, if the group is large, you have to keep it simple. If it's a smaller group, you can be far more complex. All right, let's continue through these ideas around the structure of your content. It's, it's really what I call the four H's. I want you to remember this principle. People buy with emotion and they verify with fact. People buy with emotion and they verify with fact. So I can't encourage you enough. You need an opening emotion and a closing emotion. Let me give you an example. So if I was talking to a group of CFOs, maybe my opening emotion is angst, concern, or fear out of something around a regulatory issue, Sarbanes-Oxley, Basel II. But at the end of my content, I want them to be more excited. People buy with emotion and they verify with fact. We see this time after time after time. I'm sure if you think about it, you have bought something somewhere and then you got buyer's remorse. The very first horse I ever bought, that happened to me. My hand went up, I ended up buying this horse, and the guy goes, 
you don't even have a place to keep the horse. And then that's when the regret me started to set in. Now, the four H's that I want to mention to you, the first one is help. You're there to solve a pain. Number two, I want you to bring your heart to the table. You've got to be able to captivate their emotions. Number three, you want to bring hope. You want to inspire them. You want them to realize that you can overcome the obstacle. You can get rid of the challenge. You can increase their performance. Whatever that particular pain is that you're trying to solve, you're bringing hope. Remember that you're there to empower them. Most people, when they communicate, walk in with the perspective of, I'm here to impress you. And when you try to impress people, it's all about what you know. Nobody cares what you know. But if you walk in with an attitude of, how do I make your life better? How do I empower you? You walk in with this idea that inspires them. And when they feel like you're there to help them, they want to know what you know. But until they know how much you care, they don't want to know what you know. Then that last H is just humor. I'm not talking about jokes. Jokes are high risk, low return. You have to be very, very careful with humor. I'm talking about self-defacing humor, natural humor, a story about one of your children, something that happened to you on the way to work. Those kind of natural humor pieces that are relevant to what you're talking about. Humor is the best way to relax an audience. Now, if, it, if it, you feel like it's something you really want to master, take a comedy class. Go to your local community college and learn some of those principles that will assist you in your crafting of your content. Remember, our theme today is do the hard work, keep it simple. Do the hard work, keep it simple. All right, so let's go to the next idea that I want to make sure you can work with as you're crafting your content. It's what I call content drivers. There are three drivers that I want to make sure that you remember that should drive how you craft your content. Number one is, what's the purpose of me sharing this content? Now, I'm going to give a couple of examples. Is my purpose selling? Is my purpose awareness building? Is my purpose education or teaching? That should begin to help you craft how you want to do your content. If I'm in a selling mode, my action steps are different than if I'm in a teaching mode. If I'm just to build awareness around a solution, tool, or product, I'm going to offer ideas that will help them see how they can apply it to what they're doing. That second principle comes back to the audience. Now, I mentioned this earlier, the greater... The complexity, if it's a more one-to-one or small group, the larger group, it's got to be simple. Audience size is a driver. If you're doing a one-on-one, lots of conversation. If you're doing one to 5,000 and the information is just awareness building, then keep your information at a higher level. If it's one-to-one, go deep into the complexity of your content. But that's got to be driven by audience size. And then the goals that you set up. What's the goal that I'm trying to achieve when it's all said and done? When you finish with your five minutes, 10 minutes, 50 minutes, or 90 minutes, whatever it may happen to be, or even let's say it's a full one-day teaching program that you're trying to accomplish, I want you to be able to answer three questions. 
Question number one, what do you want them to think when you're done? So envision yourself after one day of training and they're walking out the door, what do you want them to think? Secondly, what do you want them to feel? Excited, inspired, concerned. The last thing I'd want them to feel is overwhelmed. You don't want that. That's what will happen if you get a data dump. What do you want them to feel? And then this last one in my mind is most critical. What do you want them to do? Your job is to drive the listener to action. Let me say that again. Your job is to drive the listener to action. For example, if your audience walked into a sales call, and let's say they're negative about you and your company. So my goal would be at the end of this sales situation is at least to drive them to neutral. But let's say they're walking in the door and they're neutral. They haven't heard of you. They don't know much about your solution, tool, or product then guys, you should be driving them to positive. And if you'll think about that, it drives you to craft your content. If I'm trying to take you from neutral to positive, I'm going to share great examples of success. I'm going to talk about the benefits that my company, my solution, my tool, and my product, or myself, can bring to the table. If you will think through what do you want them to think, what do you want them to feel, and what do you want them to do, and relate that to content, you will find that that will help you craft what you want to accomplish. All of these things are to get you to be focused in your message. It is not a data dump. It's a focused message. Now, we've covered a lot of content today, guys, and these are just some principles that will give you structure to what you want to say. I can't come back to the idea enough that content structure is the foundation of everything that you're going to build. Whether it's five minutes, it's 50 minutes. Whether it's a sales call, it's a keynote speech, or it's a TED-type talk. What I want you to do is take these principles and begin to implement them into anything that you're crafting. I want to make sure that you have the freedom in the content, in your word choice. I want to make sure that you have freedom in the conversation. And I want to make sure that you have the freedom to adjust to any situation that gets thrown at you. If there's anything that will set you apart, it's the way you craft your message. You craft the message for yourself, but what ends up happening for your listener, it is seamless. It's like walking the listener through a park a step at a time from point A to point B from one side of the bridge to the other side of the bridge. Guys, it's been an absolute privilege to be with you today. Don't forget, do the hard work, keep it simple. This is Bart Queen with the Remarkability Institute. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Remarkability Institute with Bart Queen. Make your voice count today. Stand up, step out, and speak up. Your voice counts. Visit BartQueen.com for show notes and other resources to help you turn the art of communications into the science of remarkable results.